Hi, welcome to On the Couch with Dr. Carmen. I am Dr. Carmen, a licensed psychologist in the state of Florida. And we started with our series last month on trauma. And we got interrupted because I had some technical issues, but we're completing the series today with Rachelle Wallace, a licensed mental health counselor. And I'm so happy to have her on today. Rochelle is um, practicing in Riverview, Florida. Is that correct? That is. She's a therapist in Riverview, but she is a certified trauma therapist, EMDR therapist, and co-owner of a Resilient You Counseling and Consultation LLC. Um, she has her master's in um, clinical mental health counseling from Webster University, and she has worked with in the community to help support and heal individuals and family for over 15 years, y'all. She has been putting in the work, helping other people to heal. So, so excited to have you on um, at Resilient You. Rochelle is passionate about working with adult women to help them overcome challenges that keep them stuck or prevent them from being their true authentic selves, providing virtual telehealth sessions for all her clients. So welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you, Dr. Carmen, for having me on. Yeah. Did I miss anything that, you know, that your um, clients would want people to know about coming to work with you or, you know, what that experience is like or what else you might bring to the table? Yeah, absolutely. So, my clients are women who have created an amazing life for themselves, but maybe don't feel so deserving of the life they've created. Um, also, maybe a perfectionist. So they do things several times, right, before being okay with it. Not good with it, but just okay with it. Um, clients that maybe prepare a lot for mm -hmm. the future. And so then they prepare another plan for the future plan that they've already created. Um, oh. Yeah, just in case it happens. <laughs> Some of my clients have experienced trauma. Um, and so that may look like emotional abuse, physical abuse, um, sexual abuse, um, also war trauma as well. Um, some of my clients have wounded child parts. So as opposed to, or also in addition to trauma, psychological trauma, they've um, faced maybe a parent not being around um, mm -hmm. or being isolated from a parent. So anything you can think of in regards to us and how we overcome so much and yet have so little time for ourselves, we're sometimes used to giving out everything we have and then having nothing for, um, for ourselves. These are the type of women, amazing women that I work with. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, that, that could describe a lot of us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's a great population to work with as we're doing this also on Veterans Day. Mm -hmm. um, you know, people think trauma is just trauma from war, but I like the fact that you highlighted all the other areas that trauma could occur mm -hmm. in. Yes. yes, yes. And so that's a huge component for coming to therapy, I think for just people in general. Um, I don't have trauma, I'm good. Um, but was your mom or dad around growing up? You know, yeah. um, did that impact you? So 
just getting the word out that is so much bigger than the big things we always hear about in connection with trauma. It's also other mm -hmm. stuff that's under there too. Yeah. And aside from the sexual trauma, are there any other differences with working with women of color around this issue? So I would say the main difference is they're excited because I look like them. Um, some of the examples that we share um, are similar and it's a familiar space. And so oftentimes for women of color, it just are people of color in general, um, the healthcare system hasn't been friendly to some of us. And so now here I am having to go have therapy um, or seek out therapy. And again, there's stigma attached to that. So I already have some concerns about it. But then mm -hmm. I get someone who looks like me. Um, and so I think that's a major part of it. And then also, again, just bringing awareness that, yes, maybe you weren't involved in um, a catastrophic event, but mm -hmm. there is some underlining concerns that you can work through. Right. So representation matters. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So getting to see somebody who looks like you, who may have, you know, some familiar background to you, mm -hmm. that yeah. all makes it a little bit easier to get help and receive help. Yes, because when we think about it, too, anytime we're doing something new for some of us, it's always going to be or sometimes it's going to be some some difficulty, some vulnerability right and so right. then you add on all the other stuff the, the stigma you know how is that person's first session going to be am i going to be able to open up am i going to be judged for open up and so you have all these different factors coming in and so if there's something a little that could put you at ease mm -hmm. um that that's the goal so even if my client may not look like me but i'm a woman Okay, right. um, that, that makes it a little easier for some of my clients, right? Um, the fact that I say it's a no judgment zone. Mm -hmm. So this space is all about you. Um, whatever you say stays here, right? Um, and so a lot of those things help in the therapeutic um, environment for especially if this is your first time trying it out. Yeah, and, and if you have to have your guard up, your mask up, in all those other situations where you're other? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, can you explain for those who don't know what EMDR is, what CBT is, and how you apply it in your practice? Absolutely. So how I explain CBT is something occurs we have a thought about it. And then based on that thought, we may react to it. Um, and then so we work to reframe the way we think and feel about different situations or scenarios. EMDR therapy takes it a little deeper. Um, to me, I explain it like it's a wound. Your brain has a wound, right? Mm -hmm. And so EMDR therapy helps your brain heal. Um, so when we experience a trauma, our brain is unable to process the experience like it normally would. So say you go out with your girlfriends to see a movie. Our brain processes that with no problem. But when we experience something traumatic, our brain really doesn't know what to do with it. For some of us, right? Because we yeah. can 
some of us can have a car accident. One can be traumatized by it. The other perfectly fine. But if you are um, traumatic or it is traumatic for you, then EMDR allows your brain to process it normally. I like to think of it as um, maybe having a wound and you need stitches for it. Mm -hmm. So say you don't get the stitches, right? You just let it heal on your own, its own, because I don't want to go to the doctor. I'm right. right? (laughs) (laughs) So it heals on its own, but depending on the weather, it may ache because it's cold outside. Right, right. right. So that's a trigger for the wound. Um, Depending on how bad it was, you may have stuff seeping out every now and again, right? And so that's what trauma does to our body. So the seeping out are the triggers that we experience. So maybe if we hear something similar to the disturbance or we smell, we touch, we taste, all our five senses are connected to that trauma story. And so what EMDR does is it allows the distress, it reduces the distress significantly um, when we experience a trauma. So instead of feeling like I'm responsible, it's my fault, I'm unlovable, EMDR switches that because it's able to process that trauma and store it where it needs to go successfully. So now you feel like um, I am okay just as I am. I did the best I could, as opposed to feeling like I am responsible. That's awesome. I like that way of describing it. You know, I think a lot of people could understand that aching wound or that oozing wound mm-hmm. um, really well. And like, you have to go and get proper care so it heals properly and doesn't keep aching or oozing and doing all the things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that is the important part. So there, of course, there's a lot of aspects to it, but the main key is that it reduces, for a lot of my clients, the time they're in therapy. Um, it's not a lot of talk. So mm-hmm. I, you, I'm not, you're not expected to explain in detail what happened to you um, over and over and over to get a resolution. Um, it does include bilateral stimulation. So maybe some tapping, some eye movements, it's not like you're going to be thrown in there in the process. So it's set up where before you even start reprocessing what happened to you, you feel mm-hmm. safe, you feel secure in the process. Um, you've asked a lot of questions about it, and I've, and I've given you a lot of information, a lot of psychoeducation about it. And I think, too, that's why I love it so much. Um, yeah. Because some of my clients come specifically for EMDR. And they just know a little bit about it. They don't really know much about it, but they want to do it. And so um, just seeing their faces when they're when I educate them on what a trauma is, um, mm-hmm. some of the things that they've been dealing with in their body, um, the physical sensations, the triggers, the fact that I have a sheet that outlines exactly what they've been going through, they feel validated. Um, they feel like, okay, I'm not crazy. It's It's not me. Right. And so that's that's another aspect of it that I truly enjoy. Yeah, that sounds awesome. It's not a, you know, throw you in the swimming pool and you got to learn how to swim. It is a gradual process, but at the same time, speeds up traditional therapy. Yes, exactly. I like that. And then um, when do you apply the CBT part of things? So it's throughout. 
so how I look at CBT is the psychoeducation piece. Um, for some of my clients, they feel like they're responsible or they should have done something. And mm -hmm. so the CBT part is, yeah, this happened to you, right? And then you have this, you have this thought, I should have done something. And then now your actions, how you show up in the world is based on this. And right. so that's how I describe the CBT and imply it or um, put it in there per se. And so it's throughout the whole time um, we're learning about how our acts, how what happened to us and mm -hmm. what's going on with that um, really details how we show up in the world day to day, regardless if we know it or not. That's awesome. Yeah, I would like to sit on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> more than welcome <laughs> <laughs> what have been some of the other barriers i mean once we deal with having representation and you know explaining how therapy works what other barriers to treatment have you experienced um, working with our population so I would say in regards to EMDR therapy, so I so EMDR therapy is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing therapy, okay? So now I've done it, right? I'm here, I'm in therapy, I'm in front of you. Now we talking about something else, you know? Now what uh -huh. is this that I'm committing to, even if they came to me specifically for EMDR? Um, again, it's new. Um, for for a lot of my clients is new. They don't have a lot of information on it. Um, mm -hmm. So th that can be a barrier. Um, I'm already here. So maybe I just want to talk. Um, uh -huh. And so we know with research, the more we talk about our traumas, the more we're actually re-traumatizing ourselves. However, some clients just want to talk. And so you go with it, right? Mm -hmm. You've been holding things in for so long, you just go with it. Um, so that's a barrier. Barrier. I think another barrier is it is new. It's it's not familiar, um, and it's actually fast. That can be scary as well. Mm -hmm. um, for some of my clients, we'll just do tap like tapping. You know, mm -hmm. if they're at a ten, anxiety wise or overwhelm wise, in the beginning of the session, we'll just do some fast tapping for a few rounds. Mm -hmm. And that can be scary. They'll be like, Rachel, what happened? Uh, why do I feel calm? What's going on? You know? um, so that is new. It's different. Another barrier could be that um, the time commitment. So for me, I encourage at least weekly sessions for two mm -hmm. months, at least, um, because it is imperative that you get all you need before we start the reprocessing Um Right. So that could be a challenge for some as well. And then I think just therapy as a whole. Mm -hmm. Again, I don't know what to expect. So even if I call you and do a consultation, which is you calling me to hear my voice, get to know me, feel me out. I still don't know what this is. Um, yeah. Maybe I've done it before and I didn't like what happened or I didn't like my therapist or my psychiatrist. And so now are you similar? Um, Ooh, so that, yeah, that could be a barrier. Um, another one, I think the main one for me, I think is stigma. So in, in our community, um, 
from my experience, right? Um, somebody may have a different experience, but from my experience, it's the stigma. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not crazy. I don't need support. I don't need help. Even though you're overwhelmed, even though you're overworked, um, yeah. I got it. Because this is what we've been taught to do. You, you mm-hmm. do what you got to do um, to make it through. And right. so now asking for help or needing help, I may feel weak. Um, mm-hmm. I, I may feel like I'm a failure. I may feel like I'm not enough. That goes along with my clients who, when I can get my clients to take a nap, I won. Okay. Oh, yes. Yes. We have succeeded. Yes. Um, because they don't feel like a failure anymore. They don't feel inadequate anymore because they took a nap. Um, and it seems really simple, but it's not. Um, and so, again, it goes back to that stigma. If I take a nap, I'm inadequate. I'm not doing mm-hmm. enough. I got to keep working. I got to keep moving. Right. So um, a huge part as well as the stigma, again, goes back to the distrust. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe some, some distrust in there as well. Um, and then is this going to be used against me? So I've made it this far right? Mm -hmm. I'm doing pretty well for myself. And if something was to happen, is this going to come back to bite me? And so, and that's the things that I see um, a little more than often. Mm -hmm. Is that mostly with people who are working in like military settings or are they thinking that something's going to happen to them through their insurance company, that it's going to be on a permanent record or where does that come from? I think it's all of the above. Um, I've heard some of my clients um, in the military setting state that it's possibility if they were still in the military, if this was, if they were diagnosed with PTSD, it may not go over so well. Um, mm-hmm. Not that it happened, but that was their assumption, right? Yeah. Um, and so not to say that it occurs, but their fear that may have prolonged them coming into therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, another one would be that past situations, maybe things have came back to bite them um, Mm -hmm. when they did ask for help, when they did Mm -hmm. seek support. And so now I'm supposed to do this again um, with you, a stranger, you know, we're virtual. So all my sessions are virtual. So you're, I can't even see you, walk up and see you, right? Right. Um, And you want me to spill my life and and that's supposed to make me feel better. Mm -hmm. And so I think just acknowledging all those barriers or um, persons, regardless if they're actually experiences or not, and working through them one by one. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the goal. So per sessions look not a lot of, for a lot of um, assessments or um, me doing the talking. I just mm-hmm. allow my clients to just unload the first couple of sessions because that's what they need. Yeah. They've been holding that in all this time and trying to figure it out and feeling bad about themselves because of what happened. Mm -hmm. Do you get as many stereotypical um, barriers as around, you know, why are you doing this woo woo stuff? You know, Jesus will fix it. Or, you know, you just got to pray about it. I don't, I don't really need to be here. I don't. Um, I've seen it on social media. I've heard it, but not as for my clients. um, 
they've even they've either either had therapy and are trying it again or mm. um trying it for the first time did a, again did a lot of research because we're planners um right my clientele so we're going to plan for the plan and then have a plan for that one so right. they did a lot of research maybe they've been holding back for like two months i've heard and finally did it called me right mm -hmm. So I get a lot of that, but as far as um, you know, Jesus fix Jesus will fix it. I don't need therapy. I got God. I I don't have a lot of that or any yeah. of that. Mm -hmm. Well, I get more of that. It's because of pressure from their family, the elders, sometimes the husbands, you know, spouses. You know, there's nothing wrong with you. You just need to, you know, stop being lazy. Get up and do what you need to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, now I do get that. Absolutely. Um, some cultures, you do what the parents say until mm -hmm. you get married and then you leave the house and then you do your own thing. So I yeah. do get that as well. Okay. Um, what led you to this as a profession? Well, to be honest, this was not the plan. Um, I was, I finished my undergrad and I knew I wanted to be in the helping profession, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So my friend at the time, now my best friend, um, was like, you should, you should do counseling. And I was like, no. And you know how same those, that stigma that mm -hmm. therapists only sit in the office. They only listen to problems all day. And then that's all they do. And so that's that's the perception I had. I, I didn't have a visual of mm -hmm. what a therapist did, especially one who looked like me. Um, so she was like, well, you're doing it anyway. You're just not getting paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> so it was already in you. You just didn't recognize. Didn't have a clue. And so that sat with me for a while. So I said, okay, I'll give it a try. I, and I told her, I said, you'll get one class out of me. Um, and after that, I'll find something else to do in a master's program. And so yeah. that, that's how that's how I got here. Okay. Mm -hmm. What does healing mean to you? Healing means to be able to choose you first. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing. So knowing that you matter most before anything mm -hmm. and anyone in this world. Because without you, all the other people you're taking care of or caring for or supporting would have nobody if they did not have you. And so you have to be first um, so that what you're pouring out is, is life, is um, happiness, is internal joy. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that's the first component. Um, and then also recognizing that with you matter most, what do I need to do for me? Um, mm -hmm. What's happening to me in this moment? Why is my um, my internals changing per se? So, so why is my heart racing? Um, yeah. Why did I just get sad really quickly, right? And I'm just sitting here. So being in tune with who you are, what you're doing, what you're going through, and then being vulnerable and um, willing to seek out the help when you need support, regardless of what that looks like. That may be going to church. Um, that may be reaching out to a friend or a family member. 
but mm -hmm. whatever it needs to be that you're willing to do it and then follow through. So right. yeah, I'm in therapy. Yeah, I'm going to church, but now I feel better. I'm done. Right. Right, right. I'm <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I appreciate your time. This is great. Um, but follow through because oftentimes what we go through in decades, we yeah. think that is cleared up in a month or two, right? Mm. But it didn't take a month or two for these behaviors to accumulate. So that that's what healing is to me. Um, knowing that you matter most being in tune with who you are and what you need and being willing, vulnerable um, to go get it, to do what you need yeah. to do for you. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of these women are willing to go get what they need to get. They just don't give themselves permission yeah. to get the healing for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. we'll do whatever we need for family, um, close friends. But then when it comes to us, it's, it's a little more challenging and difficult. <clears throat> yeah, I have clients who have physical issues and they've been the strong person yeah. for their family all this time. So now I need help. And I have to ask somebody, I mean, not just to come to therapy, but also to ask for things because I can't do it myself yeah. physically. Or asking people to come into my home to help me do the things I can't do. And it's like, I need some support so that I can learn how to ask for that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then that takes humility. Because mm -hmm. when you're used to doing everything on your own for so long, and then the moment you need it, what if you do ask and, and they say no? Or their help doesn't look like the help you gave all these decades. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's a big one, that the help yeah. doesn't look the same. You know, everybody comes to me, but nobody's here for me. Right. Yeah. And that's the key. And, so, and how I look at it, too, is we're all human beings. Mm -hmm. So they may not be able to give you what you need when you need it, but find somebody who is. Find a stranger, a therapist, a psychiatrist, um, you know, lay it on us. We don't mind, you know. Right. So, yeah, it's, it's a challenge. Yeah. But it sounds like some wonderful work is going on in that healing session. Yeah. Once we feel safe so that we can be vulnerable, so that we can let down all of the guards mm -hmm. and really, you know, get our situation handled and learn how to take care of us. Yeah. Yeah. Which is priority number one. Mm -hmm. Well, I love that. Um, is there anything else that you would like the listeners to know about how you work and how you work at a resilient you counseling and consulting LLC? Yeah. So um, I think the main thing is it's all about you. Again, if I if we can work together so that you can see that you are number one, that you matter most, that what you need comes first, that's the key. That's the basis. That's the foundation. Because then once you see that, those boundaries that you couldn't set or had difficulty keeping, you no longer have an issue with that. Because now you know that you matter most, right? Um, that relationship that you're struggling to get out of, that kind of goes away too, because you understand your worth and your value now. 
And so just knowing that um, putting yourself first, I also do attachments um, in my practice too. Yeah, so it's not just trauma. Um, You don't have to come to me because something drastic happened, right? And so attachment is somewhere along the line, a parent or a caregiver failed you in some sense. Mm -hmm. Not purposely, because again, we do what we know to do, right? Um, But if you have some challenges and then it continues to show up. So um, we do a lot of wounded parts. So our wounded parts are child parts and our healthy um, parts are adult parts. So sometimes we show up as wounded children Mm -hmm. Um, We can be talking to a best friend. We can be in an argument with another person. But who's speaking? You know, who's driving the bus? So we do a lot of um, identifying behaviors, different behaviors, and what that looks like in different settings and how that shows up for you internally. Um, So it goes so much beyond, okay, I had this horrific thing happen to me help me out. It's about really getting to know who you are, how you show up in the world, and what that looks like for you. Mm -hmm. It sounds like some healing for those younger childhood selves that have been hurt or failed to get what they needed from their Mm -hmm. primary attachment figures. Yes, because then oftentimes we're doing the same things to our younger selves that Mm. was done to us. And so as an adult, we don't see it. Um, so recognizing that, identifying that, you know, you're you're shunning your younger self because of what happened to you. That mm-hmm. that means you're shunning yourself too, even in adulthood. So how yeah. is that showing up? Self sabotage, right? Ooh. Behaviors. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's it gets deep, um, but it I think it's necessary. Definitely. So I hope that the viewers and listeners will get a good idea of what a powerful tool this is. Therapy is a powerful tool to help you heal yourself. We guide you along in that journey, but it can be so beneficial when you get in the therapy room, when you join us on the therapy um, apps, um, it can be so powerful. And because there's only one you, then we have to work with you. Each client is different in trying to get your treatment plan together for what will work better for you, you know, getting to know your story and all of those things. So it, it's, you know, I believe in it because this is what I've been doing for about 15 plus years, but it's amazing the transformations. Yes. Yeah. And that's what makes it worthwhile. Um, I had a consultation the other day and the client did a whole lot of work before even calling me, you know? And so I, I praised her for it. I said, that tells me that this process, this journey is going to be so much more rewarding for you because you've already started doing the work, right? right? So yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. It is rewarding. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us on the couch. Um, I will put in the liner notes how to get in touch with uh, Rachelle and her counseling agency. As you can see on the screen there below her picture, 
Um, that is the website, but we will also include her um, other connects in the in the liner notes for this. And um, if you have any questions, I will pass them along to her as well. But this is all, you know, helping you to heal you and, you know, find a way to make your life the best life. So thank you for joining us on the couch and we will see you next time. Thank you.